You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is something that I've been waiting years for. We have now finally come to the turn where the 90s is now nostalgic. God, we're old. And, and now we got Woodstock 99 documentaries. There's two of them out. Last year, there's one that came on HBO Max, which was really good. But the one that everybody's talking about is the one on Netflix called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. Eric, how the hell are you doing? I'm curious to know why you have such a fascina- fascination with Woodstock. History, man. History. But I will explain. But yeah, uh, so Woodstock 99 was a huge deal for me. I was uh, 12 years old going on 13 and MTV was everything. Uh, you would come home, you would run home so you can watch TRL. This is how you get introduced to new popular music. I discovered bands that were awesome back then because of TRL. You got, you know, like, like your, like corn, like Papa Roach, like oh, sure. biscuit, Lincoln park, all these bands. You got the boy bands. You got Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. Like this was huge. Nickelodeon and MTV was huge. And all of a sudden, in the summer of 1999, they're like, MTV, TRL, Carson Daly with this black nail polish that I still don't understand to this day, um, is going to be live at Woodstock, pay-per-view. And I'm like, Woodstock? What's that? You know, my mom, I asked her, my mom, what's Woodstock? And she goes, oh, that was an old festival back in the 60s. So I read up about it, and I was so enthralled with that original Woodstock then I found out that one happened in 94. So I wanted to be there, right? I wanted to be at Woodstock 99. And I guess the end of my rant is we did not buy pay-per-views because those are ridiculously overpriced. So I only saw what was presented on basic cable television. So I did not know that there was a disaster. Oh, I had sure. no idea. Had no idea probably a few months later, but this was the beginning. No, this was towards the middle, I would say, like beginning almost middle of new metal 12 year old angst for me. This was big. I'm assuming this was not big for you. <laughs> well, like, so uh, around this time, this was what 99, right? So I was, uh, what, like uh, just getting into high school at this point. So, of course, yeah. I mean, this is all pop culture, and I'm watching it, and, you know, it, it, I see all the fire, but I never, I guess, took into how severe it was. It was just, you know, all I see on is on the news, and at this point, we've already lived through um, Columbine, right? And we've already lived through, like, the Ohio, or uh, the Oklahoma City disaster, so... And like you know, you like wasn't anthrax in the mail at this time? Like, there's a lot of shit going on. So, Michael Lewinsky. Yeah. So, when I see, you know, some fires started at a at an outdoor concert, you're just like, oh, okay, then. And then you, you know, the the death toll isn't like either being reported or it's not like in double digits. You're just like, okay, well then, so so some property damage then is what I'm hearing. Then she's like, all right, well, it sounds like a pretty rad concert. Right. That's that's what I get the take of it, at, at least as a kid. But at the same part, like I I remember uh, seeing stuff getting thrown at like Ananda Lewis or like Kurt Loder, um, 
I I do remember that. Like I remember people throwing stuff, but I also remember it in the other Woodstock. So I kind of thought it was just kind of supposed to be like a wild concert. Well, for me, like I, you know, I can only speak for me on this part because, well, everybody's different. But um, I've always been fascinated with that one big generational moment. I, I feel that there's always been a moment, either good or bad, uh, that defines that current generation. You know, um, greatest generation, you know, would have World War II as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, boomers would have Woodstock and so on and so forth. So I always felt since Woodstock always came around when – and in, in, in the height of a generation, like 69 was the original Woodstock, 94 was the Gen Xers, right? So this would be end of Gen X, older millennials, right? I mean, this, this, is, this is our thing. And um, this was going to define this generation. Um, and the bad thing is, watching this documentary, the promoters were total jerks. Uh, if anybody wants to blame, I'm just going to go right off the bat and say that if anybody wants to blame the bands, wants to blame the crowds, sure. But the promoters had no idea because throughout this documentary, they were like, oh, well, because of what happened in Columbine, we really wanted to promote gun violence. You didn't promote gun violence at all. There's no advertisements at all or anything about gun control. Nobody spoke about gun control. That was garbage. Crap. The the big thing that I they opened with, and I agree to this, is that it was a fine mix of a lot of things that just went together at once. Sure. And it's like I, I no one can say for sure in hindsight if um like if one thing was different or fixed or focused on a bit more that the outcome would have changed. Um you certainly could probably say for a lot of things, you know, uh yeah, you know, at least if there was like adequate water, then it might be different there. But uh, it does seem like it, the more and more they start to reveal, you're just like, oh, well, this, all of this makes sense. Like, this was basically just like some sort of like primal, like warrior pit that you just kind of enclosed all these people in and just said, yeah, you know, free weekend, uh, do whatever. Right. And it's, it's all, again, I keep on talking about the promoters. It's their fault. They so desperately, it happened twice in 69 Woodstock and a 94 Woodstock. People would tear down the fences and they would come in and ultimately became a free concert. They're not going to do that now. Here's an idea. Let's not have it in Woodstock. That's why the first one was called Woodstock. Let's have it in Rome, New York in the end of July in an abandoned military base. That's a great idea. That says peace and love. Yeah, that was a, a bad decision there. And everything about it was just kind of a bad decision after that. This was um, just a, a clear movie about exploitation, right? About some promoter blinded by some cash promise or thinking that there's an opportunity there. It went with it. And, ugh, and it, uh, it did not end up in the well, best in the best of everything. Yeah. Well, okay, so go over some things like we're talking about hindsight, but just some things like they said they had a rave hanger, which raves were big back then. But wouldn't 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 a decent promoter say, "Hey, 
Uh, since it's in July and it's so hot, why don't we have the concert in the hangar? These things are huge. These are military plane hangars. Yeah. Why not have it in the hangar and then at night move the crowd out to the big stage for the night acts? Why not do that? That's a that's a good thing, especially because like uh, I remember going to like some tech festivals. Um, the the other part of it is is like ventilation, like having. Uh, that many people inside during the day, you're just gonna cook, especially because it's like a lot, like a lot of bodies there too. It's very hard to breathe. But I mean, that's a high ceiling, so you would think it's a hangar. It's... They can install ceiling fans. I mean, th- these guys spent millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, well, you think they would? I spared no expense. Where we heard that before, right? Oh yeah, this is just like Jurassic Park. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, and I'm and I'm kind of contradicting myself. The idea of it being in a military base. I guess it probably is not a terrible idea because their offices, everything was in all one centralized location. So it made things easier for them, which I get that. Without having to build things, I get that. Well, I think it, again, going with the with the exploit, it made it worse just because of the vendor row. You just had a tarmac there. You could just have trucks and, and vendors just roll up on this tarmac and just kind of have it all be one convenient row. Same with the restrooms, too. You could just have it all kind of lined up under one convenient row, and you'd think uh, logistically that it would that it would work. Um, but, I, I, again, like, it's just such a, an insult. I, I guess the people... It really, it, it just... I was never... I like concerts, right? Uh, who doesn't love a concert? Sure. I was never a fan of festivals for this reason. Like I, I've done a few in my life, and I'm happy that I I did, so I can be like, no, I got it. I, I think I'm good. You know, doing the the three day thing, or even more. But the other people who like do this is like, I I can't do this, man. This is gross. And something like this like shows it even more. E- even in the best ones, like because certainly Bonnaroo is no different than. Uh, you know, maybe this, maybe they just have more. Bonnaroo's got to be this with more water. Wasn't there one in what Coachella? Yeah, but that's California, and that's I mean, they're pretty open about how they're gonna <laughs> about how they're stealing your money, right? <laughs> right. Well, the one that I can only compare to this was um, Lollapalooza, which is in Chicago. No, but those are different because those are in big cities, so you can leave the court. You know, you can leave the center and go to like hotels or go back home into the suburbs. You know, there there are facilities there. This is out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, not to say middle of nowhere, but you know, it is it is detached. It's out there. Yeah, yeah, it, it, from from everything. That that's kind of what the appeal is. Um, I can't like those other festivals. I uh uh, what's the one? Oh, Burning Man. But that seems to be one of those weird social experiments where the vagrants just have all said, yeah, this is where we need to go to start our own city. And they've actually started their own city there. So that's a bit something else. That's not even a festival anymore. That's just that's a that, lifestyle. Yeah, isn't that just a functioning city now or town? Yeah. Um, so I I don't think that's that's more than a festival. <laughs> that's more that's than more what than... that was. Yeah, so that's what is that what music festivals are trying to be? They're just like... There's like little colonies trying to start up a little, a little, Look, little thing of themselves. Yeah, who knows? I actually agree with you on the whole festival thing, right? Especially seeing this now. Um, I definitely 
am I your side with festivals? Because no matter how hard you try, no matter if you have the greatest idea in the world to make sure that people are safe and people are healthy, uh, there's always, always, always going to be bad apples. It's just I don't like the bad apples that this movie's trying to portray because they also portrayed it in the HBO Max uh, documentary last year that they always point the blame on bands, predominantly Limp Biscuit, and white frat boys. That's the problem. White frat boys that have everything handed to them and Limp Biscuit. I do not agree with that at all. Well, I wouldn't go blaming the bands here, but I again going back to the promoter. Um, you know, we, a lot of things that were really well pointed out. One of them was uh, was it Lee Rosenblatt, where he said that uh, at any one point did the promoters like look at the set list of like who was going on. That's a great point. Like, because look at uh, Woodstock '69, and compared to the other two Woodstocks, it's like you had a much different sound coming out of those of those uh, concerts. You know, one is is more of a peaceful sound about protest and rebellion and life changing and being you know peaceful to each other and loving each other, uh, whereas the other one, I mean, well, is completely grunge, and the other one is the rock rap. Right, but then also what kind of made me upset was, I don't know if it was in this one, or maybe it was the HBO one, when one of the promoters, uh, not the guy that died, but the but the, but the the other guy, the other partner guy. Yeah, John Shearer. Uh, thank you. Um, they asked, why was there only three female acts on Woodstock 99? On, they had one female act for each day. Jewel, Alanis Morissette, and I believe it was... Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. And he said, we booked the bands that we knew that would sell tickets. Bull crap. Uh, 99, let's think about this. I, I was looking at some of the female acts. No doubt. They were huge yeah, in 99. Huge. Uh, Missy Elliott, she was really big. You know what? I know the crowd probably didn't want it, but you still got Britney and Christina. Right? Yeah, well, that's against... And that's the silly thing about it, right? Is that... What's that supposed to be at least the promoters were trying to maintain this whole against the establishment type of vibe. And, and then the people who they would book, like if you were to book someone like that, wouldn't they mainly be viewed as like a corporate plug? But then again, you had M- MTV there too, who was just beginning their sellout phase. Sellout phase. Oh, I want to discuss that. MTV completely had a sellout phase. No, as I'm saying, oh, I want to discuss that because I'm I'm kind of thinking you're right. And, and yeah, it, this was around that time. MTV had a complete the TRL uh, with the sellout phase. That's when MTV knew that they could get more from music related programming rather than it being music television. So huh. they cut which away is, to everything. Which is funny because I don't know if again if it's an age thing or if it's just a Jordan thing, but I find myself to this day, watching MTV Classic, which is a channel which all they do is play music videos. Which used to be MTV2. Right, and now it's MTV Classic, and my wife was watching videos with me one day, and she goes, so what are you doing? You're just watching music videos? I was like, yeah, this is MTV, man. Didn't you watch MTV? No, we were only allowed to watch VH1, and I was like, dude, did this, this was it. Like, I mean, before TRL, like my 9, 10-year-old age, like it was music videos all the time. Now it 
it was messed up because yeah and that's what i really missed about it too because you could have different genres of, of music on here too and do different countdowns and i that's what i liked a lot that's what i was hooked on yeah I, but no they went from that and then mtv went to reality and then music went to mtv2 but then mtv2 became their alternative television it became like uh their their adult swim you know where they could play like all the uh the edgy um uh, oh my god did, have you seen you know was it stiffle and ollie or you know kind of <laughs> alternative shows really just right. obscure type of things and so right. that that turned into that and so all the music went into like either mtv classic or college mtv was a big one for a while right yeah that's not around anymore yeah and then i think they just kind of yeah they, they've obviously tried to catered uh care a bit more to their tv then they rebranded they went from mtv to mtv i remember that somewhere when they made that they changed the logo and everything yeah, no, I remember that too. And I actually would say that what changed to the sellout face, we can move on, uh, would be a little show called Teen Mom. That's when I was like, I'm done. Like, I stopped. Because I remember after this, like, MTV Cribs was huge. I watched that. Pit My Ride was was huge, right? Uh, but then this little show, like, in 03 and 04 came on called Teen Mom. And I was like, dude, I'm done. Oh, dude, come on. Now, Room Raiders are next. Like, see, now we're talking to the old MTV stuff. But that's what this generation was. Right. Uh, this, I mean, like, Room Raiders. Yeah. And, and, yeah, when you, you're, I don't know if you're trying to defend the, the frat boy mentality. But that's not a good look, man. The board shorts and the puka shells. And just basically just kind of a, the, the bro-y type of thing. It's it's very, it's tribal, you know. I, and it's i that's the other scary thing too is that seeing that that herd kind of like consume that uh, the mob you, you know it's just like well that it does happen that that happens real quick too where well, okay. you get that you know it's where everyone else is doing it so if i got might as well do it too well i mean dude of course i'm defending the frat boy mentality because i was one now of course just because what i saw doesn't mean that's what every fraternity does but Every negative thing that anybody has ever said about fraternities, I never personally myself have experienced. Well, I mean, it, it's a it stereotype. Was, first it's off, a stereotype. yeah, right, it's a stereotype. But no, I mean, I brotherhood, love, respect. I, I mean, like, no, I, I just sure can. But, but, okay, it's there. Here's the thing, though. Okay, guys and girls, and not just guys, but girls too. When they're in a group, can be douchey, both both genders. You know, I just I just feel that, you know, these guys just got they. How do I want to say this without <laughs> stalling and stammering? Well, then hold. You then how about if you're gonna reach out? How about I help you out? Pick you up the rest of the way here through. It, it was it their fault completely? No, they were put in that situation. Right. They were put in a in a situation to fail, um, and I would I hold them to it? No, because if that concert was run differently, then it would not have been an issue. But and they had time to adjust uh, with it too. Uh, first off, that type of thing uh, when you have that large amount of people in a in an area for for a day or two, there's going to be petty crime. There's going to be you know some horribly uh, you don't want any sex crimes but there's there might be you know groping that's horrible but you know you could have that with better security you could have that with uh, um better crowd circum or venting you know routes here too so you're not like bottlenecking into one area and have everybody kind of mushing together uh you know adequate bathrooms there's a lot of things you can do for sure i'm not going to pretend like i know but 
at the same part, would this one did not provide any of that. And when you do that on top of that with an adolescent crowd full of beer and full of drugs, like that's that's just a that's just a bad mix. And hire people called the Peace Patrol, which were just Joe Blows down the street that had no security experience that whatsoever. That was why I couldn't that believe that they they were just selling their shirts to be like, yeah, you want access? Go ahead and take the shirt, and then you can just walk wherever. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, okay. You want to go behind stage? Well, you know what you got to do for I, me. I I would almost want to, to 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 do that just so I could use like the bathrooms that were backstage and stuff like that. Right, right. Oh my God. So uh, this documentary didn't show up, but the HBO one, I was completely shocked. And they had showers. They had the they had these outside community showers in the campground area. Mm-hmm. Again, this is on the HBO documentary that came out last year, and they had uh, plywood, right, separating the men's side and and the women's side. That was it, just plywood, and then it was it was completely open. Like kind of old school military with this big huge pole in the center, and everybody just gets naked and stands behind it, like under it. Like I mean, you're just begging for so much sex crimes on the. It's just yeah. You, so pretty much my point of that is, I agree with you. This 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 ultimately falls on the on the on the shoulders of the promoter. I want to talk about some musical acts real quick. Um, ICP was there <laughs> for ninety nine. Yeah. Nice. And. You can still watch all these performances on YouTube, and um, I, I actually watched some of these performances uh, to prepare for the episode because I wanted to see some of these. And ICP comes out with garbage cans, and I don't mean like household garbage cans. I mean like commercial like garbage cans filled with Cola Fago, two liters, and they're doing their act. And it's in the middle of the day in the summer heat, and these guys are dousing everybody with Fago. Oh, the ants would be everywhere. <laughs> like, Typical. Who, who would enjoy this? On a hot right? day at this point, I, I guess they'll take whatever the, the heck. But, I mean, you're going to be all ugh, nasty, sticky. and Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I Going back to the musical acts, though, like this music is is the wrong music for this. Like I understand that again, Woodstock is trying to be anti-establishment, but it brings up a good point that nobody listened to the energy of this music. All this, a lot of this music is very, uh, you know, it is raging. You know, like like raging and sexist. Yeah, very much. Like it's it's that's just what it is. It's not supposed to be a a calm, chill. Um, kind of reflecting type of thing. It's it's a get up and jump and break it type of music um and that's why i never listened to jewel because she's too hyped for me she i get too angry when i listen to her my blood pressure goes through the roof what's wrong you don't like foolish games all right um and that's when that's when the tower went down that's when the fire started those foolish games woodstock respect about foolish games kid rock comes out with a white mink coat god i you know what we are a movie review show we're talking about this because this is a very popular movie on Netflix right now. This was also big in our age growing up, the musical acts, Woodstock. But we never talk music, and I just want to get this off my chest. I, back then and still to this day, don't get Kid Rock. 
I don't get why people like this guy. He changes more characters than a character does on WWE. I mean, oh boy, he he fits a, a perfect demographic here in Michigan. I can tell you that. I don't know how because he starts out as this white boy rapper, then he does the rap rock, and then he does you know country, and then he does like America country. And now he goes on YouTube saying that nobody can cancel me. I'm pretty much the new Ted Nugent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this crowd, and uh, this speaks for a lot of Southeast uh, Michigan. Actually, a lot, of, a lot of parts of Michigan, really. But like um, the the upper lower class, you know, like the top rung of the bo- of the bottom tier. Uh, these people who are, you know, what I mean, like they're like their trailer is doing real well. You know, like. <laughs> Like <laughs> that's that's honestly what it like. It's, it's those those types of, of of people who like um they're on vacation at this all inclusive, you know, at, at at Cancun type of thing, and and I'm here with with this other girlfriend. I you know she we met each other two weeks ago, and I brought her down here type of thing, and uh, they all they all have the same accent, um, like you know, Michigan accents. That was nice. You know, where it's just like I, you guys aren't from the south, but you have a southern accent. I don't, I don't get it. You're right. It, it's it's the it, it's a weird crowd. Um, they don't have a tan. They have like that lobster red glow about them. Farmer stands too. They all they're all they're all on a boat, but none of them own a boat. That's good. Is it? Yeah. Well, I'm sure they have a boat, but you don't want to go on that boat. I got my friend, my friend Ricky down there. He got a bigger boat. We can go and use that one. So I take it you're not a Kid Rock fan either. He there is an appeal. He he has a staple around here, and I'm not talking about like um, was it Spoon Man or whatever the or no uh, uh Bull God. I'm sorry. Yeah what what the hell is a Bull God? I don't know. He's just messing around. It listen him and Uncle Cracker like these are these these kind of Romeo people, which are yeah I'm from Detroit so you are not dude you are 30 miles from the border like you are you know you're in a uh uh and then his dad owned like a dealership or something like that uh, yeah, he came rich he was he was he was not yeah so yeah. when you're country rich out there you you basically if you own one thing that succeeds you kind of run the town um and that's just kind of what what that is over there you know it's i don't know uh, it it fits i, it's, I guess it, it does a niche uh, that's just my little rant on Kid Rock. I just really hate it when it's like I'm the pimp of the nation, y'all. It's, it's like God damn it. I'm not a fan <laughs> of him because this this effing guy has not had an original song. Like uh, his number, his hits are usually f- samples of someone else's song. Sure, Metallica sample, right? A Sheryl Crow sample, a Leonard Skinner sample. Like he he takes samples all the so time. So he's Puff Daddy. He's Puff Daddy. Uh, yeah, at least Pup Daddy acknowledges that he's remixing. Right. Kid Rock is going up saying, I'm the most original, you know, whatever the the, the heck it is. And then, like, him and Uncle Cracker will do a, uh, whatever cover that is that they did. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, why wasn't Eminem, you think, on this? Because he was, he, was, he was becoming big in 99. Was it because he came out? Was his was was uh, was his popularity right when Woodstock was going on? You think? Yeah, wasn't it kind of on the upswing? He's probably too busy, too cool for this man. He's probably doing some some other stuff. Okay, I was just curious what you thought on that one. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, like we talked about the facilities, we talked about the promoters. We, we're, we're starting to talk more about musical acts. We don't want to talk about every single one of them, of course, but we got to talk about the big one, right? The the middle of the movie, the one that everybody wants to blame. We have to. Is oh, okay. Lip Biscuit to blame for the start of the riots? Because that was night two. That wasn't night three, if I remember. Is yeah, Limp Biscuit to blame? Corn was first, then Limp Biscuit, right? Then no, no, no. It was Limp Biscuit. Corn ended that. No, it was it was Limp Biscuit, Corn, and then Metallica ended the night on night two. I thought. Uh, when did did Bush end night one? Bush ended night one. Yeah. Who who do they follow? Rage Against the Machine. No, Rage Against the Machine was before Bush. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't blame any any band for this. I mean, it's. Uh, it's the venue's responsibility, man. You should be able to hold on to it. If you are going to hold a, a band that, first off, if you don't do any research on the on the group that you're hosting, shame on you. I'll uh, stack right there. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't know that uh, a group called uh, Burn It Down was going to burn down my my venue. Really? There was no you had no indication there. Their album called We Set Things on Fire. Their number one jam called We're Going to Light Your venue on fire like you know what i mean like everything is telling you that they're going to light this venue on fire so don't expect that when you book them that they wouldn't do that so i i for them to do little to no research on that is already we're not having the conversation but um they booked them it should be on the venue uh to obviously pass some sort of code regulations uh standards uh, safety inspections um, to really have that many people there, hosting that many people there. I, I'm sure at one point it was uh, okay, past maybe like you know before there were I had a quarter million people uh, hitting so on it many, for a day. So many people. Yeah, and, and you didn't have vibrations going off on it for 18 hours or. You know, that's a lot of stress to go out on a structure, but that's on the venue. Like you, you that's, had, on the venue. that's on the venue. And then to have your uh, plywood break off as easily, like that's that's on the venue. And then to have security not stop it, well, that's on the, that's on the venue. I, I you know, you, you got to be in charge of the security, and you weren't, and you let it happen, and you had a charge. You, you should have stopped it. You could have stopped it at any point. You could have stopped it. Now you could have easily cut the cut the sound, turn on the lights, and you said, "Listen, everybody, this is not what we're doing, not what we're about." Type of thing, and they would have booed you, sure, but they guess they're already tearing down your stuff. So, what they, what, you know, yeah, exactly. Like Who tell cares? them to stop, otherwise, you're if they're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Okay, so we didn't talk about. Uh, food and stuff. So also another thing that these promoters decided to do was let's let's also get third party food vendors and not regulate and charge whatever they want to charge. Now, of course, we're talking 2022 prices are different than 1999 tickets for this was 150 a piece. Uh, now, you and I had this conversation privately before recording. You said 150 in 1999 was ridiculous. I mean, five bucks, four or five bucks for a water now is is a little ridiculous. Right, I'm just saying. But back then, you said the ticket prices were. Oh yeah, so like for now, let's say like a three weekend, 
festival like Lollapalooza or like even uh movement down here in Detroit. Uh, yeah, you can spend I don't know the cheap side like two fifty. We get like a three day pass. Uh, that's for like a basic. I, I mean, you know, Lollapalooza right. probably could be like upward to like five six hundred. I mean, Coachella's I think is is a ridiculous amount for the pass as well. Hold on, let me get my mouse. Yeah, because while you're doing that too, the 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 ticket prices were expensive for the time, but then also like you said, like these vendors were selling four dollar up to twelve dollars for a bottle of water. They were selling what four five dollars for a slice of pizza. Yeah, here it is. Coachella is like five hundred, six hundred bucks per person. Yeah, for a pass. If you want VIP, you can get a thousand or twelve hundred. Oh for, my good for, for VIP. Yeah, basic is five hundred. Oh well, that's California. And that's not including like car camping or like the tent camping, uh, parking. Wow, holy cow! This this is a six thousand dollar package. Let's let's see if we can keep on going. A six thousand dollar oh, safari camping, nine thousand dollars. The ultimate on-site camping experience. So yeah, uh, yeah. If you learn everything from Fire Festival, is that they will do whatever they can to get money out of you. So I have a I have another question and I and I'm kind of wondered your opinion on this since you're a Detroiter. So all this nonsense that happened in Woodstock '99. Why why do we not hear anything about ICPs the gathering? And I know bullshit goes down. Sorry for my language, but I know stuff goes down at the gathering, but never at this mass scale. Why is that? It's pretty much the same thing: camping, three days, music festival. What's the difference between the two? Uh, uh, well, three day festival doesn't offer camping. You know, like there's on grounds on campus uh, amenities there, so like you don't have to leave the campus; you get to stay in the park. So, uh, whereas uh, like a festival, sometimes you there's like a a gate you can sometimes uh, you'll have to leave. You have to get like a day pass or you know, right? Um, yeah, and there's parking. Additionally, you. Yeah, isn't that what it, it's just more of the service of it? Okay, it's just I was just curious on about why. So I mean, like I mean, not to continue to keep on going, but we get you know we get Metallica in this, we get Corn in this, uh, Rage Against the Machine, and then of course the third day they said in the documentary there was rumors circulating that after the last act, which was Red Hot Chili Peppers, that there could be another special guest star, right? People were thinking Prince, Madonna, that would have been kind of cool. Uh, but no, they started to pass out these candles and they were supposed to light these candles for under the bridge to, 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 to symbolize gun control and crowds going nuts. Fires are going everywhere. And then Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers is talks to the mayor of Rome and says, go out there and talk to them. And Anthony Kiedis is like, what are they? They're not going to listen to me. And this is where I kind of say shame, not point the blame, but shame. He decides to go back out, Anthony Kiedis and Red Chip Peppers, and play Fire by Jimi Hendrix. Right? That's that's kind of... Yeah, yeah, that's a bit... Uh, yeah. I mean, they, I don't know if that was originally in their lineup, though. It is Hendrix, it is Woodstock, but uh, it does seem a bit uh, antagonizing. Yeah. Right, right, because because later on, as the as the massacre is happening, right, all these bonfires, these tribal things going on, uh, people are singing and screaming, "F you, you won't do what you tell me." The line from Rage Against the Machine, 
So it's just crazy nonsense. And it's and it shows you how wild people can become when they're pushed to the limits. I think that everybody was just pushed to their limits, ultimately. And that's obvious. And um, nobody got in trouble. That's the funny thing. Cops showed up and just said, everybody needs to leave. Like, that was it. Like, no massive arrest. Were there any sexual assault crimes reported? I think after. Not much, right? Well, yeah, it, it's it seems like you know, it's what are they gonna do? Right. I mean, I mean, uh, I don't mean to la- it's a nervous left. Like it's you know, but it's, it's that, that's that's a rough, that's right. a rough reality there. It is. I mean, I don't got much to say about it because I could go on for hours theorizing about it, talking more detail about the bands, you know. But to kind of close it here, like. This was this was really big at the time, like I said at the beginning of the show in 99. This was a perfect age for me at 12 to that TRL phase, get into new music, you know, discovering my own music. Because up to this point, you know, I was listening to mom's music, right? Or like Whitney Houston, you know, because that's what mom always had on, right? Or Kenny G or Vince Gill, like those weird Michael Bolton, right? That's mom always listened to that stuff mm-hmm. in the 90s. So now I'm at the age where I don't want to listen to your music. Where's my music? So this was my music. And I have to admit, still to this day, as a 35-year-old man, I still listen to some of these bands. And <laughs> Limp Biscuit just dropped a new album last year. What? So I just, I, it just, <laughs> hey, their new song, Dad Vibes, is awesome, man. So, oh, yeah? No, I just yeah, you don't know. You're not cool. You're not you're not down with the biscuit. I I am not, no. No. Not you're not I'm not even gonna try to pretend on that one, no, sir. You are not limping with the biscuit. Thank God. All right. But no, I just Ultimately, I just wanted to talk about it, see what your thoughts were. This movie is pretty big on Netflix right now, and we figured, you know, see what we have to say on this. But uh, yeah, that's that's ultimately Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. I hope this is a series, right? Like, I hope Trainwreck is like a series. Oh, like it's not just a one-off thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you like these docu series? We don't do a whole lot of docu or a lot of documentaries, documentaries on our show here. No, so this is kind of something that we don't do that often. See, it's, like I said, guys, there's no popcorn rain or nothing, right? Like, give it a large, you know. Um, but yeah, no, this this was a fun discussion. Thanks for having it with me. Of course, I I enjoy it. Of course, it's yeah, of course you do. Uh, any any sort of like info doc like this is just fascinating. I don't know so much more about this. Saw a lot of stuff that I didn't want to know. Right, right. There was a lot of there was a lot of lady nudity in this one. <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine that um, it would be rough for for a lady during this. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was like, oof, ooh, that's not that's not good. That's not good. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you so much for downloading us, everybody. Make sure to download us at movieguestpodcast.podbean.com. Or, of course, you know we know that you're listening to us. You know, on your phone, probably driving to or from work. So keep on downloading us on whatever platform you download podcasts on. We appreciate it. And Eric, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Excuse me while I go work the day shift. <laughs>